Hey, everyone. Welcome to the next episode of E-Commerce Insights. I'm your host, Scott DeGrossier, founder and CEO of Wicked Reports. Today, I have with me Raj Deidada. He's the co-founder and CEO of Bloomreach, and he's also the author of an upcoming new book called The Digital Seeker, which we're going to get into. I know we're mostly all digital seekers, the people that listen to this podcast anyway. So I appreciate your time and glad to have you on the podcast today, Raj. Thanks, Scott. Great to be here. Thank you. So let's talk about the book, Digital Seeker. What compelled you to want to write the book? Who's the book for? Let's start there. Yeah. So I've had the good fortune of running and building Bloomreach over this last 12 years. And Bloomreach today is is an e-commerce platform or e-commerce software platform that really powers digital experiences for almost a quarter of e-commerce in the US and the UK. And so I would get asked between that and and I'm also an investor in about 25 startups uh, here in, in Silicon Valley. And so people would ask me, hey, you see the winners and why they win and you see the losers and why they lose in digital. What What's the difference? What 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 is it that makes the winners win? And uh, and so I, I went out and, and distilled a lot of those lessons. And there's there's about a hundred interviews that I did of great brands all across the world uh, who were doing great, and really tried to distill the lessons of that in this book called The Digital Seeker. And it really came down to this sort of controversial insight that great and winning digital experiences are built for the seeker, not the customer. And we've we've spent. 15 years learning about customer centricity. And so that really kind of piqued my interest. And, and that's really the theme of the book. And, and I felt like I wanted to share that out there. And, and so who's this book for? This book is for digital teams. And that's important as well. I, I believe digital is a team sport, that it's not just the VP of e-commerce or the chief digital officer. It's the cross-functional team underneath. And, and what I hope is that this is the common text that they can use to win big. That's awesome. So what separates a seeker from a customer? What's like a couple attributes that make it clear? Yeah. yeah. So so I think we can all relate to this. Imagine, imagine that we're out organizing a family vacation. And so if I want to organize a family vacation, at some point, I'll, I'll maybe look into a car rental company. I'll look into a hotel. I'll look into a flight. I'll look into a tour excursion, whatever. I might read some reviews. And so I really create a digital to-do list of all the 10 things I need to do to go organize that vacation. And so I'm really a customer of each of those individual companies. I'm a customer, potential customer of a car rental, of a flight, of a hotel, et cetera. But I'm not a seeker of any of those individual things. I'm really a seeker of a memorable vacation for my family. And so the question is, do you build the experience for the transactional purchasing need of, of an individual? Or do you build the experience for the underlying motivation behind that purchase? And I believe the winners build the experiences for the underlying motivation behind uh, each of those purchases. And when you do that, you create these incredibly compelling digital experiences that stand out from the crowd and really are very hard to replicate for competitors. Jeez, that's really interesting because uh, I had a YouTube coach on, well, he does more than that, but a guy named Tom Breeze. And he says the same thing about a great YouTube ad was that it was about who the person wants to become because they're buying your product. Right. It had nothing right. to do yeah. with like, here's my features or here's my price. It's like, why are you doing this to begin with? It sounds very well, you 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 know, you raise a great story. And one of those, one of those key differences between seekers and customers is that customers tend to be left-brained and seekers tend to be right-brained. One is one is an emotional tug, 
and the other is a rational tug. And it's usually the emotional tug that is the underlying motivation for why, why I might go do something. And it's just been amazing to watch an industry after industry after industry. When you look at the leaders, they have the seeker centric perspective. So parallels to like uh, Simon Sinek's of the why, why you do stuff kind of similar. So how did you, with Bloomreach then, how does that play into Bloomreach? Like how's the customer there, the seeker versus, the, I mean, it's probably a lot more analytical types coming in, but how do you use well, that knowledge yeah. in the background? So Bloomreach in a, in a nutshell is very much about building world, world-class e-commerce experiences. And in fact, the thesis of Bloomreach is that, you know, for the first 20 years of e-commerce, it was really about standing up the store, just doing e-commerce. If you were to read this, the quotes of great e-commerce companies, they would say, hey, my e-commerce sales have grown, or I'm now doing e-commerce, whatever it is. But now, 20 years in, that's not good enough. Like, Why is somebody going to go shop at your store rather than go to Amazon or go to any number of other alternatives that are available on the web? And the only reason is if you do something really different and really compelling, which usually comes down to seeker centricity. So the Bloomreach proposition is, let's give you great software that deeply understands the customer, deeply understands the products that are on offer and delivers the kind of seeker-centric experience that, that you can. Now, I, I don't mean to suggest the technology is the only part of the solution to what it takes to be seeker-centric. It's it's really a multi, multi-part organism, but certainly it's it plays a key role and that's what Bloomreach does. So then is the for a B2B buyer of actually, so someone trying to buy, start li- using the license of Bloomreach for their e-com though, how do you, do you use any of that in your marketing or in your approach to them? Where they're, yeah, because what I are they seeking with, when they, I mean, they're seeking more sales, right? That's the, that's the right. logical approach, but what is the seeking part or is that it? They're saying they want to grow or is there more behind it than that? Yeah, I think, I think it's growth is definitely at the heart of, of what they're seeking. B2B buyers tend to be a little more rational than B2C consumers, <laughs> yeah. you know, in some sense. So they're definitely seeking growth. And so by the time they come to us, they're, they've decomposed that into, hey, I'm looking for a smarter search, or I'm looking for inspirational content or content algorithms, or I'm looking for marketing automation, or I'm looking for a customer data platform. And so we distill those into technologies. But behind each of those things is, I want to stand out from the crowd. I want to grow a lot faster than my competitors. Can you help me do that? It makes me think I'm I'm so logical. Now we have marketers helping us with wicked reports, but we were always just like, here's the data. <laughs> what else do you need? But we don't really consider that. Well, That's I have a great story on on the on that. Actually, you know, referenced in the book is, is a guy named Robert Chatwani, who was, you know, he was the CMO of eBay and now is the CMO of, of Atlassian. And, and I remember he came and spoke with us. And eBay has been known for analytical marketing for a very long time. And so he told all the stories about the data models and the data science and all the testing that they were doing with with online marketing. But then when asked, like, what's really the pearl of wisdom you want to leave us with? He said, well, look, if you're looking for an ROI for everything, you're really going to miss out on the most important things. Because when was the last time somebody said, well, what's the ROI on your mom? But on the (laughs) other hand, on the other hand, it's pretty clear that moms are pretty valuable. So not everything that's valuable has a clear ROI. I agree with that. That's a great way to put it. I'm going to use that in my next sales pitch. <laughs> they say, hey, do you track everything cross-device? No, but what about the ROI on your mom? <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at Bloomreach, some of the interesting things there. I mean, you wrote about applying customer data to everything. 
So yes. like as an e-commerce store, like there's so many options now and so many texts, like where's their highest leverage? Where's use their data first or like a hierarchy, like the top three things where data can really give them an edge. What would you say? Where should they start? Yeah. So, so I think, I think it's really important to sort of see where we've come from with e-commerce, right? So the first 15, 20 years of e-commerce, a lot of what we've done is we've basically taken physical catalogs of products and put them online and let you buy them. And so there really hasn't been anything all that personalized about it. Now, data has been useful in sorting and searching and finding and sometimes in rocket recommending the right product to you. But for the most part, it's been a store like any other store. But here we are in 2021. And if you look at most of the great e-commerce experiences that are out there, whether it's the personalized eyeglasses of Warby Parker or whether it's Netflix with respect to movies or Stitch Fix with respect to fashion or category after category, they're going to start by getting to know you. And then they're going to map that to the right product for you. And so the next generation of e-commerce is right product for right person. And so then if you say, where's the data going to be used? Well, I think it, it gets used in, in three primary ways, which is where Bloomreach is really focused. The first is in your marketing. Because when you're reaching out to people, that's when they're flooded by lots of different incoming. And so the marketing itself has got to be personalized. And that involves data. And then the second place has been in, in content. So if, I, if I'm out looking for a sofa and you, you know, I live in a small apartment and you live in a big house, if you're showing me the same content of what my living room looks like, well, that doesn't seem like it speaks to me, depending on which environment I'm in. And the third place is in what is in discovery, which is, let's say I've just now decided to buy the sofa. Well, then I want you to use the data to get me to the right sofa really fast. And so those are the three places I, I think are the low-hanging fruit for data in the experience. Yeah, I recall I was database around the database at apartments.com and the search used to be just like by zip code and it'd just be like a raw listing. And then it yeah. became, hey, wait, how many people are going to live here? And then it got better. Like, how close do you need to be to the train? You know, it was downtown yeah. Chicago was our first city. And then it was just so much easier because those are the type of things you need with an apartment. Hey, I take the train. I don't drive. I only take the blue line because, <laughs> you know, people have their own neighborhood preferences in Chicago. And I want to be near these many. How far am I away from Starbucks? It was all these unique criteria that, I mean, you're looking for an apartment, but really it's the surrounding data that really drove the success of that platform, but also what the searchers cared about. It wasn't that how many sense. bedrooms was like, that's just a table stakes to even start searching. Well, I think, I think real estate is another, another great category going through a, a major sort of transformation. I think we're going to go even further beyond the experiences that the apartments and the Trulias and the Zillow's of the world have offered. Because now if you see, and, and we talk about this in the digital seeker, and if you see, if you see services like fly homes, or if you see, they're actually talking about the entire purchasing experience, because what you're seeking there is you're not just looking for an apartment or to buy potentially, or a, or a house, you're actually looking for the entire transaction to be easy, not just to, to find it and then deal with the realtor, deal with the insurance, deal with the, with the negotiation, mm -hmm. deal with the bank, all yeah. those things. So they're still starting to stitch it together to make the entire experience much, much more easily. Another great example of a seeker-centric experience. So that's a good example. What about, you have its concept of the three A's, the AI, the ambient technology, and then APIs. Tell me about those, like how they all play into e-commerce, ambient technology. That's interesting to me. What, what, what's going on there? And well, you know, I think if we, if, we, if we agree that we want to build these deep, meaningful experiences that speak to seekers, the first thing I need to do is actually 
understand what the seeker is seeking, right? In the first place. Mm-hmm. And so ambient devices really play a role there. So mobile devices, IoT sensors, there are all these ways by which our consumers and our customers are speaking to us. It isn't about focus groups and surveys anymore. It's much more about listening to the data because each of those clicks, each of those expressions, each of those data points is an expression of intent. It's a vote or a non-vote for yeah. your, your brand or not. So the, the ambient devices are there for the listening and for the collection. And then I now have, I'm overloaded with data. So what do I do with it? Well, that's where the AI steps in to make sense of it so that I can understand and extract meaning from data in some fashion. And then finally, I want to publish that out to lots of different places because I, I want to publish that out to all the different places and channels where, where individual customers are present. I might want to send that out to third-party applications because you know delivering a seeker-centric experience often doesn't just include one service. You know, if you think about the experience on an Uber, it's it certainly is the driving, but you got an API call out to the mapping, you got an API call out to the payments, you got API calls out to background checks and security. So I want to send the, the what I figure out out to third-party services, assemble that, and deliver a great experience. And that's why I think you know very much that three A's are are really the building blocks of a technology-centered experience. And then AI. So how's an e-commerce brand gonna? How are they gonna leverage AI? How much? How how much volume do they need to be able to? I mean, because there's all sorts of sizes of stores. I mean, a, a mom and pop stop just get online, a florist, maybe not, but what level of sales is when you can actually leverage AI? So there's two dimensions, I would say, for where AI adds. You definitely need scale for AI to add value to your life as a brand, but it can be in one of two places. You can have scale of sales or customers on one side, or you can have scale of products or content on the other side. If I've got just a small number of customers, but a lot of products, to sell and lots of content to offer them. The AI can help play a role in mapping the right content or products to the customer. And of course, if I've got lots of customers, then on the other side, I really need to figure out what to put in front of them that drive sales. And so it really plays a role in both those cases. I've I've tended tended to find that when you're sub, call it 10 million of GMV or something of that type, Mm -hmm. you're you're still very much in, in getting the basics right. Once you start to exceed that, you need the help of a lot of these AI-driven tools. So then how the ease of adoption now, I mean, so I imagine that's one of the appeals of Bloomreach, right? You get the ease of adoption of wire in your store and your CRM and maybe some other data. And then we make that accessible without you hodgepodge and a bunch of collusion clu- it together, a bunch of tools and contractors and your own ideas. That's right. The, the, the idea is that at a certain point, it becomes impossible to you together and still retain a great customer experience. At Bloomreach, what we have said is, look, there's three parts of the experience we stand for, great marketing and engage, engaging the customer in the, to get them in the door, inspiring them and educating them with great content, and then helping them find the right product in a frictionless way. And so we have tools for each of those three. They all leverage data, data sets around products and people to then inform. But at the end of the day, what you get is Maybe you you work with us in the context of search, in which case you come to the, you buy our search product, you plug it in and the search just learns like Google does and delivers great results. Or you work with us in the case of marketing, what you see, what what your customers are going to see in their email message or their ad units are going to be highly targeted, personalized messaging that maps to who they are and what you're selling. So it's very practical applications that drive growth. 
Now, why can't someone just rely on the default site search from Shopify? Like Shopify store, they're doing 2 million a month. Like what, what, why is that like letting them down? Yeah. So those platforms, whether it be Shopify or big commerce or on the higher end platforms like uh, SAP and Salesforce, you know, those are really full-blown e-commerce platform. They're sort of everything you need to stand up the store. And, and, I, and I often tell people when the, when the goal was to do e-commerce, then you just wanted platforms to stand up e-commerce and yeah. sell. And that's what Shopify does a great job of. They're all partners, by the way, of Bloomreach, Shopify, BigCommerce, SAP, Salesforce, et cetera. But increasingly, when you want to differentiate the experience, then you need to go to platforms that drive growth, not platforms that stand up the store. And those and platforms that drive growth tend to be much more data-driven platforms, optimization platforms like ours, and less sort of collection of services that just let me get my storefront up. And so once you cross that 10 million threshold, a lot of what the best brands, the, the Pumas and the Williams Sonomas and the really big brands are doing is they're saying, I'm still going to use an e-commerce storefront like a Shopify on the lower end or like a Salesforce on the higher end, but I'm going to put Bloomreach on top because it is going to drive revenue growth in my business and run on top of these these commerce platforms. That makes total sense. Now touch on the SEO because the SEO is a huge market. Like my brother's like, I'm studying to do SEO now. I'm like, why? <laughs> it yeah. takes like, because in the, in the past SEO, you get a guy on, does the SEO or, or a woman, does the SEO site audit? And then, hey, we're going to build a bunch of backlinks and lo and behold, sure. in a year, you're going to be in the top 10. Something like lame like that. So obviously there was ripe area for improvement. But what made it sort of a problem to solve? And then what, how does AI make it run better, faster, improved search results yeah. quicker? You know, SEO was actually the origin story of Bloomreach. And many was oh. the first application we built. And we built that application because we thought, yes, there's lots of problems once you get onto the e-commerce site, but if they never find you in the first place, who cares, right? So mm-hmm. SEO is critical to findability directly from a Google or from a Bing or from other search engines. So SEO, as you said, has been a very manual pursuit for a very long time with site audits and backlink building and editing of content and the like. But we just felt like there wasn't an at-scale solution. And that was really a system that ideally would understand with algorithms, all the products and services you have on offer, all the content, and then could map that to demand how all the different ways by which your customers, your users might describe those products and services. I can take the same, I could call it a baby stroller, I could call it an infant stroller, I could call it a a safe stroller for uh, for a toddler or whatever it might be. I can go with a 500,000 500, ways in the English language to describe that same stroller. And so therefore, what a machine could do uniquely is anticipate that demand and the ways people might describe the product, understand the products and services on offer from an e-commerce store, and then build experiences, content, landing pages, and others that attracted demand for the products and services that are sold. And that's, that's fantastic. That's, I didn't know you guys much. did that. <laughs> yeah, it's part of the suite. That's fantastic because that's such a, a laborious task, and you yeah. could get it wrong. You're just going after like your couple like top keywords or top um, root level, and then you missed out on infant strollers. Actually, had like you could have gotten the t- first page quick with a ton of search. That's All right. Of- you know, here we we language is complicated. You know, just the fact that you're going to call it a baby stroller in one context and then baby blue in a different context, th- those aren't those don't mean the same thing. And so you got to understand the nuances of of how people express themselves in delivering great experiences. So the team at Bloomreach, you must have a lot of a lot of the data science crew. 
hashing these off. Was that your yeah, passion to do that as well? Or we, did you originally get into the weeds with that? I, it was, yeah. When I started the company now 12 years ago, I pulled a team of people out from places like Google and Facebook that had really been pioneers in using AI and machine learning technology, but they're in that case at places like Google and Facebook. And my thought process was, let's go democratize that technology and make it applicable all across the web for every digital experience, in particular in e-commerce. And so that's that was the origin story of the company. And so many years later, here we are, we've got 550 odd people of which almost 180 are in R&D in various capacities and many engineers and data scientists and the like, really building a technology platform to deliver these highly on point, unique experiences. You had this one image on, it was on Bloomreach. It was like what you invested in. It's a commerce infrastructure breakdown. And it's, yeah. and it has like different coins, like hosting and setup, license and ma- maintenance, commerce platform, easy to transact. You had all these things. And then it says, what actually drives growth, improve customer experience tied to business outcomes. I love that. It's, it's just incredible how much time we spend on the stuff that doesn't make us more money. And, and it just doesn't, doesn't need to be that hard. And we really think it's got to be flipped on its, you know, axis and that we got to, we got to have the kind of technology enablement that, that drives us the growth. So much of the time and effort is spent on things that just keep the lights on. Yeah. A lot of, uh, we see a lot of people come in and they'll, they'll drive growth. The, the successful ones are just one channel or just email and Google or just email Facebook. They haven't done the multi-channel. They haven't even done Facebook and Google, really. They've just done one plus email and they're like 15 million. <laughs> it's like, that's it. Well, we've got, you know, one of the three major pillars of our business is a sort of a customer data and marketing platform. And so that you can use that to deeply understand your customers, build profiles, say, hey, this is Scott. These are all the preferences and then run campaigns out of that. So you can run email campaigns, run Facebook campaigns, Google campaigns, et cetera. And what we see from that is still many years later, after all these modern channels that we put out there, the number one is still email by far. Yes. Right. So. In many ways, a lot's changed. In many ways, not much has changed. I'm glad you said that because more people come in. We Because we do multi-touch attribution. People come in because they want us to tell them the truth. And they're like, hey, email's driving 20%. Text is driving 10 You re- And then, well, how come your numbers don't match Facebook? And I'm like, first of all, why are you buying a platform to just show the same pie chart you get in Facebook? But they're stealing credit for the e- good old email. Still, like probably one out of four sales, a rough estimate is good old email. People still use it if they care. If they care about your brand, you talk to them right and they really want what you got, then they're going to click on those links. Hey, does this deal still work? You know, they're, they're, they care. It's fascinating. Exactly. So one last thing I was wondering, I know this is sometimes a question at the beginning, but more I want it at the end because I had all these e-com things I was really hyped up to talk to you about. So tell us about how you came to start Bloomreach, like your story behind, like you get out of school and then you're like, how did you get to that point where you founded a now successful company? Yeah, I've been an entrepreneur for way too long. So I'm, I'm in my third entrepreneurial venture out here in, in Silicon Valley. So I have the disease of, uh, of entrepreneurship, I would say. And so this time around, now 12 years ago, after having done several startups in the past, I really wanted to do something that I thought would be profoundly impactful for lots of people. And, and my view was, we increasingly all spend our lives lives online digitally. So if we can make the sort of every website, every app, every experience online amazing, we can touch billions of people in a way that 
is much more scalable than any individual service I could possibly build. And so I got very interested in this idea of a much more relevant personalized web that that we could build. And, and out of that, you know, then I saw what Facebook and Google and other people were doing around that time. Got to know some of the early engineers there, and, and we came up with this idea that, hey, let's go apply AI and machine learning technology to every experience in the world, and got it started. Pulled pulled this team of people, pitched some investors that had had known me from the past, and told them, hey, look, if we build this platform to go change the web, I think it's going to be worth a lot of money, but but you need to give us five million dollars to get started <laughs> here. And, and they did, fortunately. And twelve years later, we've got you know, a quarter of e-commerce that runs on on the software, and and. 500 plus people and 750 plus brands. And it's been fun. Yeah. Congrats. That's, that's awesome. Well, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on digital seekers. uh, What's the, when's it going to hit the stores? When can we grab it? June one is when it's released, but you can pre-order right now on, on Amazon. Just, just search for the digital seeker or, or we've got some landing pages on bloomreach.com that have other links to it, but yeah, it's a practitioner's playbook to, to go win big in digital. That's great. Okay. Thanks Raj. Have a good one. Thanks, Scott.